God wants to speak right to your heart right now. I believe with all my heart, God has a personal and powerful word just for you. Because I know God's word changes lives. I can't change any life, but God's word can change all of us. And the amazing thing is, when we teach God's word and when we lift him up in our praises, then God begins to speak to our hearts. He uses his word, but he speaks something so personal and so powerful from his word into each and every one of our hearts because he knows what you're going through. He knows everything about you. I don't know everything about you. I may not even know you, but God knows you, and he has a word for you. And sometimes when you hear a message, you think, Pastor Kerry, how did you know what I needed? Have you been reading my emails? Did you hack into my emails? No. God knows. And God has a word for you. He knows right where you're at. And he knows where he wants you to be. And he knows the next step that you're to take. And I believe that God, wherever you're at, maybe you're on the other side of the world worshiping with us online, or you're right here in the woodlands, or you're at a Tascacita. I don't know where you're at, but God knows where you're at. And he knows what you need. And he wants to meet you at your deepest point of need today. Are you ready to receive God's word for you today? Let's just thank him. Yeah. And let's bow together and let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. And Lord, I thank you that you care about every detail of our lives. That's so hard for me to fathom. And yet, you're greater and more powerful than we could ever fathom. And we just pray right now in the next few moments that you would just speak to our hearts exactly, Lord, what you want us to know, that you would just whisper those words of love and encouragement and strength right into our souls. And we pray that you would just also just come right into every home that is connected with us online right now. Every person that is here in our services, that you would just really, Lord, meet them at their deepest point of need and heal their deepest hurts. Lord, maybe they're carrying a burden that no one else knows about, but you know about it. And you have the power, Lord Jesus, to meet that need. I pray that you would meet the needs of everyone here, that you would just help us, Lord, just forget about the stresses of the season for a moment and just focus in on the Savior. We thank you for your love for us. We just honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. You know, we're starting a new series leading up to our Christmas Eve services, which are gonna be amazing. It's gonna be called The Miracle of Christmas this year. We've been working on it, praying about it, planning, and our creative team and our team is just so excited about it, but I hope you'll get a friend here. The Miracle of Christmas. It's gonna be amazing. I hope you'll serve as well. Come to a service, serve at a service. But we're gonna do this little mini-series leading up to our Christmas Eve services to prepare you so that you can have the most meaningful Christmas you've ever had. And this mini-series is all about the blessings of living a God-first life. You see, if God is first in your life, then everything else in your life can come into alignment. But if God is not first in your life, then nothing in your life can really come into alignment. 
And the whole series is based on Jesus' words in Matthew 6, So would you stand in honor of God's words, Woodland Church? And I want to just ask you to read this along with me out loud. You know, Carrie, I'm reading it silently with you. No, I mean out loud this time. It's a really short verse. And I just really want you to get this because this is powerful. A principle that Jesus taught us. I call it the Seconomic Principle. It's God's Seconomics. They can change everything in your life. And so just read this out loud with me in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his... About a third of you did that, so... Okay, now, what I'm saying is, read this out loud with me. All right? Okay, here we go. You're going to do a lot better. I know you're going to do a lot better this time, so here we go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. Great job. You can be seated. You see, if you put God first, Jesus is saying, then everything else in your life will fall into place. All those other things will be added to you. But if your number one goal in life is to find happiness, you'll be miserable. If your goal in life is to be happy, You'll never be happy. But if you put God first, you'll experience true happiness and fulfillment and passion and purpose and God's provision in your life. It's the blessings of a God-first life. Now, over the last several years, there's been an unusual, growing Christmas crime taking place all over the country. It's known as baby Jesus theft. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's true. Plastic baby Jesus figurines are being stolen from nativity scenes in record numbers. And in some cases, it's carried out by anti-Christian vandals, but most cases, authorities say, are probably just bored teenagers, you know, pulling a prank. And these pranksters are stealing the baby Jesus figurines right out of the mangers in some of the public nativity scenes and church nativity scenes. You know something has become a thing when it gets its own Wikipedia page, which baby Jesus theft does. You can look it up. The New York Times even picked up on it with an article titled, How to Keep Baby Jesus in the Manger. And the article talked about how a growing number of churches and town halls are using security cameras and bolts and tethers to keep baby Jesus from being stolen this Christmas. After baby Jesus was stolen a few years ago in a town in Pennsylvania, they set up a security camera the next year that everyone in town calls the Jesus Cam. And apparently, they've had no trouble since they installed the Jesus Cam. Others have placed GPS devices inside their baby Jesus so they can track down the thieves and return Jesus to the manger. You know, sometimes the stories have happy ending is someone will return the baby Jesus that's been stolen the year before, and maybe it's someone who found God and repented and brought back baby Jesus, but more than likely, it's a parent cleaning a kid's room that finds the baby Jesus and returns it in the middle of the night. But here's the good news. Pranksters stealing plastic baby Jesus figurines can't steal Christmas. There's no way they can steal Christmas. We do, however, see an attempt by the politically correct culture crowd to steal the symbols of Christmas from public life. I mean, you're not supposed to call it a Christmas tree. It's a holiday tree. And they want to remove all nativity scenes from the public square. They don't want you to ever use the word Christmas 
it's holidays instead. We've become so concerned with not offending anyone that we insult everyone's intelligence. Folks, it's Christmas. It's not the holiday festival. It's not the winter solstice celebration. It's Christmas. We respect our Jewish friends who celebrate Hanukkah around the same time. We respect the celebrations of all religions, but December 25th, hey, it's Christmas. But I have to say, as much as it disturbs me to watch the politically correct culture crowd try to steal the symbols of Christmas out of the public square, there's something going on that's much more sinister than stealing the symbols of Christmas. There's a crafty enemy who's trying to steal the substance of Christmas from our hearts and our lives and our homes and our families. You see, it's important to restore the symbols of Christmas, but it's much more important to restore the substance of Christmas into our lives. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying the reason I came at Christmas was to restore your life, to restore your passion, your joy, your purpose. But there is a thief, Satan, who has a plan for your life as well. And he wants to steal away the blessings of Christmas in your life. He wants to steal away those blessings from your family and in your relationships because God has some blessings just for you, some personal blessings just for you with your name on it but you have an enemy, a thief, who wants to steal away those blessings. And the first thing he does is he tries to steal the simplicity of a God-first life. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, the apostle Paul wrote, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Focus in on that phrase, the simplicity that is in Christ. We let the thief confuse us and complicate the Christian life. And we let him steal away the simplicity of the Christian life, and we make it so complicated. But really, the Christian life comes down to put God first. Put God first in your life. Listen and obey. Just do what God says. Put God first. And when you do that, there are blessings that come from living a God-first life but the thief will want to confuse you and complicate it. And that's what he does with Christmas. He complicates Christmas. Nothing could be more simple than that first Christmas. A baby being born to a peasant girl in an animal stable and being laid in a bed of hay in an animal feeding trough. Nothing gets simpler than that. But we get so busy with meaningless activities and events that we miss the real meaning of Christmas. We get so busy trying to buy the perfect presents for everyone that we fail to celebrate the present, Jesus Christ. You see, the simplicity of Christmas is this. It's just so simple and yet so powerful. And when you miss the simple, you will miss the powerful. Here's the message of Christmas. God created you, God loves you, and yet you and I are sinners and we needed a savior, so Jesus came. God sent a savior at Christmas to give us the great Christmas gift that we could never earn or deserve, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
I needed a savior, God sent a savior. That's what Christmas is all about. And then I have to unwrap the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ, to experience Christmas. We make it so complicated and we crowd out Christmas with all the things that don't mean much of anything that we miss what it's all about. And the reason why the thief wants to steal the simplicity of Christmas from our lives, if he can steal the simplicity of Christmas, he can steal the generosity of Christmas. And that's really what he's trying to get at. He wants to steal the generosity of a God-first life. Because if he can steal the generosity of a God-first life, he can steal the blessings of a God-first life. And that's what he really wants most of all. He wants to steal the blessings that are rightfully yours as a child of God. He wants to steal the blessings that are rightfully yours as a Christ follower. All those gifts that have your name on it, he wants to steal it away. Those gifts that money can never buy, like purpose and meaning and fulfillment and joy and peace. And also the things that money can buy. He wants to provide for your needs and meet your needs and bless you to be a blessing, to make a difference in this world, but the thief wants to steal that away. And the way he does that is he steals the simplicity and then he steals the generosity of a God-first life, and that steals away the blessings of a God-first life. There was a time in the Old Testament when the people of God weren't living a God-first life There was no God-first giving. And you see, there's no such thing as God-first living without God-first giving. And they weren't practicing God-first giving. They'd gotten away from generosity. They'd gotten away from putting God first in their finances. And God speaks to them in Haggai 1.6. And God says, you have planted much but harvested little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. No matter how hard they worked, no matter how much money they spent on themselves, no matter how much they invested, they were never satisfied. They never found fulfillment. And he says it's like you're putting your money in pockets filled with holes. All the blessings that I'm trying to give you are just going right through. You've allowed the thief to steal them away. You see, I believe that every Christ follower has a blessing bucket. I like to think of it as a blessing bucket, and it's a bucket that has your name on it, and God pours forth from heaven these blessings that he wants to pour into your life. Uh, But you've gotta have that blessing bucket open and ready to receive, to have your heart open to receive what God is giving you But the problem is, without God first giving, without God first giving, the thief comes in and he steals away that God first generosity so he can steal away your God first blessings. He puts holes in your bucket and you don't even realize that those things that God has for you just pour right out and just pour right through. That's what the thief does. He comes in and steals the blessings by putting holes in your blessing bucket so it can't contain the blessings. They just pour right through. You see, God-first giving activates God-first blessings. There's a viral video going around the internet that um, 
that's kind of interesting, and it happened on Family Feud as uh, a woman was trying to really activate God's blessings in her life, and here's what happened. Just watch. Holy Spirit, activate. I mean, that's not how you activate the Holy Spirit. And by the way, she lost miserably. You know, I, I think... I think God loves her. I, I, well, I know God loves her. God's just looking down like, I, I love you, my child, but you're really weird. And um, that's just really weird. You know, I mean, uh, first, the Holy Spirit is a person, is God. It is uh, the third head of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not an it to be activated. But I'll tell you what activates the Holy Spirit. God first giving activates the Holy Spirit's blessings in your life. Obedience activates the Holy Spirit's blessing. It doesn't activate the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate and bless my business. I mean, that, that's cool. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, it's weird. But if that's what you want to do, I'm all for it, you know? But that doesn't activate God and his blessings in your life. What does, and that, by the way, Praising God is a really good thing. Uh, studying God's word is a really good thing. But if you want to activate God's blessings in your life, it comes from obedience. And God first giving in that obedience, putting God first in your finances and doing what God says, that activates God first blessings in your life. That's Holy Spirit activate. God wants to activate his blessings in your life but it comes from God first giving. God always requires the first. Did you know that? It's the principle of the first. It's taught all through Scripture. Jesus affirmed it. It's that principle that God always requires the first. The first always belongs to God. In Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, it talks about it. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see, he's saying if you give the first back to God, it belongs to him anyway. So you, you give God what is his. And by the way, that's why it says honor the Lord with your wealth. It doesn't say give. It says honor because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. God always says the first belongs to me. And so they were an agricultural society, and they raised animals. And God said, well, the first sheep, that first lamb, you know, is mine. And the first of all that your crops produce is mine. You give it to me first. Why? Because the first requires faith. And he says, if you'll do that, then I'm going to bless you. Then I'm going to give you more than you need. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. If you do that, then I'm going to bless you, but you have to do it first. It's like they could have said, well, Lord, I'm going to give you the last and the leftover part but, I, you know, I mean, God, things are tight. And God said, no, you've got to give me the first because that requires faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that God-first faith activates God-first blessings. And so you give the first part because it belongs to God anyway, and it always requires faith. That's why God always requires the first. In Leviticus 27.30, it says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, a tithe, that word just means tenth. So he's saying 10% of everything that you guys produce, all your income, they're an agricultural society. So he's saying 
10% of all you make has to go to me first, to put me first in your life. And it requires faith because it wasn't just, a tithe doesn't mean just a tenth. A tithe means the first tenth, not the last tenth. And I'm not being legalistic about this. I'm just saying that really the tithe is the first tenth is God's. Now, I think, you know, if you give God the middle tenth or the last tenth, I mean, he's still going to bless. God is grace and mercy. But, but the tithe really means the first tenth because when you give him the first tenth, that requires faith. And he says, if you'll do that, I'll meet your needs. I'll meet your needs. You see, it's not that your mortgage comes out in the first tenth. It's the tithe in the first tenth. Why? Because the mortgage company has no ability to bless your finances. And God does. I want God to bless. It's always the first tenth. Now, I have up here 10 Christmas cookies, and they're really good. They're from our cafe over there, and they're too good. But I have these 10 Christmas cookies, and so let's just say they represent everything that you make, everything that you earn. Which one of these cookies is the tithe? It's the first cookie I give back to God. Now, when you give to God the first 10%, that first cookie, out of the 10 cookies, you got 10 cookies that you earn, you give God the first cookie, then that is tithing, and that activates the Holy Spirit of God to begin working in your finances, uh, an area that's really important to us, an area where the rubber meets the road. If you don't put God first in your finances or your schedule or your family, then is God really first? Because those are really important things to us. It's like, God, you can be first in, uh, I don't know, maybe my Bible study. God goes, big deal. I want to be first in the things that are important to you in your life. And so, the first cookie goes back to God. The problem is, a lot of times we're like, God, hey, I'm gonna give to you, but you know, I mean, things are really tough. It's been really tough lately, and, and, but I think we're gonna have some at the end of the month. We're gonna, if we do, we're gonna give it to you. We're gonna give you that cookie, God. Yeah, we'll give you, we'll give you the 10%. But when you don't give it first, here's what happens every time. It's like, well, God, um, I know that you require 10%. I know that's in Scripture, all through Scripture, and I know Jesus confirmed it, and it's, I, I believe that, but yet, I mean, we really just can't do that right now because, I mean, the car broke down, God, and so um, it's okay, Lord. There's 60% of the cookies left, and you, know, and you don't really like cookies anyway, do you? I mean, how can you really even use cookies? And so, God, you understand, don't you? And, oh, God, the kids are so expensive. You know how that is. I mean, their lessons, you know, and all of the sports and all the things. I mean, everything costs so much. They've got to have the best stuff. They've got to have the best equipment. God, or they'll get behind. You know how tough that is. But, you know, God, maybe you got a fourth of a cookie left. 25%, that's not bad, God. I mean, 25% of 10%. God, there's a little bit there. There's a little bit. And then it's like, Oh, God, didn't expect that to come up. God, oh, that, you know, but we're going to have something for you, God. And then what happens, you come down to the giving, and you give God a few crumbles. That's how the cookie crumbles right there. That's how it turns out. And there was that time in the Old Testament where the people were doing exactly that. And they'd give God 
in the offering a few crumbs. They'd give God a few crumbs from their life, and God says, don't you get it? You're stealing from me the first 10%. The tithe, the first 10% is mine. And so when you don't give that to me, you're stealing from me, he told them. And they said, how are we stealing from you? He says, from your tithes and offerings. You're stealing from me. But what they didn't realize, they were stealing from themselves as well. God was saying to them, don't you get it? I want to bless you, and you're stealing away my ability to bless you because you're letting the thief come in and put holes in your blessing bucket. And in Malachi 3.10, he went on to say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I love that. Bring the whole tithe. Bring the first 10% of all you make into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. To bring it into that storehouse for God's glory, for God's kingdom to be built. And I love how God says, test me in this. You can test me. You're not supposed to test God in anything except in giving. Why? I guess he knows we need a little bit of help. He says, you can test me in this, and I'm going to come through, and I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. You watch. I will come through, but you've got to... Put faith in it. You've got to have faith in me and my word and my promises that are true and see that I'm real. Test me in this, and I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough for you to store it. You know what's really cool about our farmers' field schools in Kenya and, and in uh, Haiti, and we're getting ready to start farmers' field schools in a lot of places, but we've helped so many farmers um, and we've helped them feed families, communities, villages. It's been amazing. And what we do is we pick a local church in the area, and then we provide all the grain, and it's really good, um, you know, healthy stuff that we have gotten from agricultural scientists at, um, who've made a lot of discoveries at, at A&M and, and places where things can where they know that it's going to grow in Africa and these soils and in these places in Haiti. And so it's really an amazing thing. And then we train and we teach every day agricultural principles. And it's really like, you know, almost a college education on agriculture that these farmers get. And then their farms start really producing. And so in the first year, we give them just about everything. The second year, we taper it off a little. The third year, we taper it off more. But here's the really cool thing. The first 10% of all of their produce goes back to that church and they put it in a storeroom and they give it to the widows and the orphans. And it's so cool to see. And then God blesses these people's farms beyond measure. And then we do business principles and we teach them how to sell their crops and what crops to plant that are more valuable than others at certain times. And it's amazing. It changes communities. And we're expanding that beyond measure. And it's so cool, but I love, the part I love is that you bring the first 10% of all you make, all the crops, back to the church to feed the widows and the orphans. And it's, it's such a beautiful picture of God's promise. And then when all the other farmers see, wow, how come that farm next to me is just, the corn is so high, the beans, that's amazing. Then they say, well, you need to come down to this church with me because God has principles that really show us how to live our lives. And you need Jesus Christ. It's so powerful, but it's just biblical. 
That's what it's all about. And so it really comes down to putting, giving God that first cookie because it's God's anyway. And God says, eventually, I'll, I'll get it back in some way because you're going to lose the blessings. They're going to be stolen away. The blessings that I really had for you are going to be stolen away. And so we just give back what belongs to him. Everything belongs to him, really. But he says, the first 10 percent, enjoy the rest. You know, be grateful. But yet give me what is rightfully mine to show that I'm first place in your life. You see, you can't have God first living without God first giving because your giving really determines who your God is. This is so important to get. Your giving determines who your God is. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said that when he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the more literal translation of the word money in the Greek, that last word in the verse money, in the Greek is mammon. And the King James Version just translated, translated as mammon. And mammon was the God of wealth in that day. And so Jesus was saying, it's not God versus a thing, it's God versus another God with little g. That's what it comes down to. It's the one true God versus another God. My friend Ryan Thomas in his book, the, How Bold Giving Leads to Great Blessing, he points out that Jesus here is saying, you have to choose which one of these gods you're going to worship because they're enemies. They oppose each other. And whichever one you choose, they're very demanding. They'll consume all of your love and all your devotion. But you've got to choose one. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't say it's God versus the world. It's God versus sin. It's God versus Satan. No, he says in the great spiritual smackdown in the universe today. It is God versus the God of money. Why? Why did Jesus say that? Because in Jesus' day, like in our day, the number one false God, the number one idol that gives the one true God his toughest competition is money. I mean, back in the Old Testament, way back, it was Baal. The idol Baal was the one that was in competition with the one true God. And then Baal worship, which was all about worshiping the ground and, and fertility and all that, that died out. And then Mammon, the god Mammon, the god of wealth came up and a lot of people would worship this idol of wealth, wanting to be successful. And so that's the way it still is today. We just don't have a little stone or a wooden carving that we call it the god of money. But it's still the same today. In Jesus' day, just as in ours, money was the God that gives the one true God the toughest competition, and that's why Jesus pointed out God versus money. Now, which one do you worship? You worship one or the other. Which one do you worship? You can't tell on the outside. Poor people can secretly worship money, and there are many successful people who worship God, so how do you know which one you worship because you'll worship one? Well, a lot of people say they love and worship God, but really there's only one test if you worship God or worship money, and that's your giving. That's the only test. It's your giving. That's really what it comes down to. When it comes down to the battle for your heart between the one true God versus the God of money, if you say to the one true God, I love you, I'll give you anything, I'll give you everything except my money, 
then you just revealed who's won your heart. You just revealed who you worship. And God wants you to worship him so that he can bless you and those things that he blesses you with gain a whole new purpose, a whole new meaning, a whole new power. You see, the number one thing keeping most Christians from experiencing a deeper and more blessed relationship with the one true God is they already have another God. It would be kind of like if you had a friend who was having an ongoing affair and that friend came to you and said, you know what, I really need some advice. I wanna grow closer to my wife. I wanna have a better marriage. I wanna build my marriage much stronger. I really wanna grow in my love for my wife. Um, what should I do? Maybe go on more dates, maybe take a communication class on how to communicate better together in our relationship. Um, first thing you'd say is, well, you need to break off that affair that you've been having for years. But what if he said, oh, I'm not talking about the affair, I'm not talking about that woman, I'm talking about my wife, and how do I grow closer to her? How, how do I build my marriage? I don't see what the affair has to do with that. I'm talking about my marriage, not the affair. That doesn't really relate. And you go, you're crazy. It doesn't matter what you do in your marriage if you don't break off that affair. And you see, if you're a Christ follower and you wanna grow as a Christian, you wanna grow spiritually, and you say, well, this year I'm gonna pray more, this year I'm gonna go to a Bible study, this year I'm gonna have my quiet time, this year I'm gonna do this or that, none of that really matters. It's all really useless until you learn to give. Why? Because you can't really grow in your love for God when something else has your heart already. Something else has your affection. Something else is your God. First thing you've gotta do is make God your God. And when you do that, then you can grow. And so that's why giving is so important. When it comes to the battle for your heart, it's the one true God versus the God of money. And that's the way it is in our day and age. That's the way it is in our culture. That's the way it is in our society. That's the way it is in our community. And that's why Jesus says this, because he knows that that's really important to us. And it's okay for it to be important to us. It's okay. He knows that we need it. It's just that he wants us to make sure that we have him as our one true God so that he can bless. God first giving activates God first blessings. Without it, all the things that are most important get stolen away. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not that God needs your money. He wants what it represents. It represents your heart. Because if God's not first place in your finances, he's not first place in your heart. Who are we kidding? I mean, finances are important to us. If he's not first in our marriage, he's not first in our hearts. If he's not first in our schedules, he's not first in our hearts. It comes down to just a very few things. It's not complicated. We make it so complicated. But God says, it's not complicated. Just put me first. And you watch. I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of you. You can trust me. And it's not just that your giving reveals your heart. This passage says it also directs your heart. Jesus said that your affection and your love can be directed. Did you know that? It is so true. Even sociologists tell us this now. If you give, your heart goes there. 
whatever you give to, your heart goes there. Those of you who are married, you know, when you first started dating, man, you just wanted to give to that other person. You just want, why can I give to meet their needs? Why can I give? And that's directs your heart. You give, it directs your heart. You give to God, it'll direct your heart to God. You'll fall more in love with God. Just true. Bible's taught it all along. Jesus said it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But the thief wants to steal the generosity of a God-first life because he wants to steal away the blessings of a God-first life. And so God wants us to put him first. Have you ever practiced that? Have you ever learned that? I know so many of you have learned the principle of tithing and putting God first, giving him the first 10%. It's like, God, you get the first 10% no matter what. So many of you have it as recurrent giving, and it comes out, you know, right when you get that paycheck, boom, the tithe comes out first. It's the first because you want God to bless the rest. And you've experienced the blessings of a God-first life through God-first giving, and you know what it's all about. And, and then others of you haven't discovered that yet. I was really blessed that I grew up in a home where my parents taught me this at an early age. You know, if I got a dollar when I was seven years old for allowance, then I knew 10 cents went back to God, the first 10 cents. It, when I made 100 bucks mowing lawns, I knew the first $10 went back to God. You know, when Chris and I first got married, we said, you know what, we, we need to tithe and put God first in our marriage because over half of marriages that end a divorce the main reason is finances. They didn't put God first. And so we wanted to put God first because we wanted God to be involved in it. We wanted God to bless the rest. And, and God comes first. And so I was really blessed to learn that principle. And I watched my parents as they did that. And as they were givers and they were just so generous. And so many times I go, wow. You know, it would blow me away. And God would always meet their needs. And God would always bless. And God would always work in their life. And so... I learned that growing up, and, and so we taught our kids that growing up, but maybe you didn't, you know, maybe you didn't know that, and so then you come into a church, you come to Christ, and you're growing in Christ, you're so excited, and then all of a sudden it's like, God's word says to tithe, to give the first 10%, what? I mean, you thought you've been putting $20 in the offering basket and taking out a 10, thinking you're doing great. You know, and I was, tithe, 10%, is that the gross or the net? You know, I mean, well, what do you want God to bless you on? I mean, really, you know, it can be, whoa. And what I would just say is, you just got to start. And you can talk to all these people in our church. Who, when you just start, God says, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to meet your needs because it requires faith. It's all about that faith that activates the blessings of God in your life. And you get to see God working in a really important area of your life. And you realize that God is real. It always makes me so sad when I see Christ followers who will trust God with their eternal salvation, but they can't trust him with their finances. And I think, how sad. What a stressful life. How sad that they can't trust God with something like that, that they deal with each and every day. God wants you to learn to trust him for your own good, for your heart's sake and put him first. And so if you haven't done that, you ought to start. Let this December be the December you start tithing and putting God first, and it's God's word. It's not my word, it's God's word, and God keeps his word. He always keeps his word. He always keeps his promises, and you'll get to see that God's promises are true, that he will meet your needs. In 2 Corinthians 8, 3, though, there was a time in the New Testament when the Macedonian church 
did this, and Paul commended them. He said, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And I can testify that they did it because they wanted to, and not because of nagging on my part. They said, we want to give more than our tithes and offerings. And they had had a hard year in Macedonia, and they were going through difficult times. And Paul said, why don't you sit this one out, you guys? And this church, that area has been more blessed. So they'll give to the cause, this missionary cause. But the Macedonian church said, don't you dare steal the blessings from us. And Paul was taken back. He's like, what? They said, don't you dare and they pleaded with him, no, we're going to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings because we want God's blessing. Don't you dare steal the blessing from us. And see, there are many times in your life where God will ask you to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. I know for Chris and I, there's been so many times in our lives that we have felt God's call to do that, to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings, and that's when giving really starts. And really the question is, not what should I give, or what can I afford to give, or how little do I have to give? It's how much do you want God to bless you? What do you want God to do in your life this year? That's what it really comes down to. And that's what Chris and I always pray, and God, what do you want us to give? It's all yours anyway, but what do you want us to give? Above and beyond, and it's amazing what happens. At first, we're a little nervous, and then we pray, and we come together, and we say, what did God tell you, you know? And we always go with the higher number. And then we go back and we pray again, God, is this it? And God always nudges us after he gives to, he says, up it a little bit, up it a little bit. We always do that. And then I just encourage you, up yours, okay? Just take that how you want it, all right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to up mine, you up yours. Um. That's the way we do it, and it's and it, because at first you're a little nervous, and then the joy just comes in. But it's so cool, and every December, we, Chris and I do this, over and above our regular tithes and offerings, and we just pray and say, God, what would you have us give? And it's just a, a really powerful thing in our lives and in our church. And now so many of you get excited about this every year as our end-of-the-year offering is here now. And um, from now until December 29th, we do our year-end offering. We've called it all kinds of different things. Uh, give your greatest gift to Christ at Christmas, heart for the house offering. Um, this year we're calling it our God first offering. It's all about putting God first in our hearts and lives. The purpose every year is always the same, to put God first. And so because it's here now and I always want to just give you all the information about it, I want to do that right now. And so um, we, we put that up on the screens, our offering. Your impact first in 2021, helping people experience Christ. Just look at what God has done through your impact. Go to the first slide. The gospel of hope, that's one of our things that we always want to raise up. 1,236 people were baptized to profess their faith in Jesus Christ this year. And we didn't even get started until six months into the year because of the pandemic. And we need to praise God. Every one of those represents a life change, a family change. Four and a half million people watched one of our services online or through our broadcast ministry in our area and all over the world. And that's just a few of the things, getting the gospel of hope out. The poor and powerless, we restored Pilgrim Hill Baptist Church in Tomball, this historic church, sent a semi-truck of supplies to Louisiana in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. We established a foster and adoption supply closet 
to support local families. 450 volunteers donated blood, impacting 1,200 lives, and that's just a few things. The next generation that we're always raising up is providing school supplies for 2,000 kids. Over 3,905 students and children experience Christ through camps, Bible school, and Reality Weekend. 1,900 children are going to receive Christmas gifts through our Angel Tree Ministry. Um, global outreach, 2,000 students went through biblical mentorship training in Malawi, Kenya, and Honduras. Another new 580 farmers went through our field schools in Kenya and Haiti this year. And then 80,000 meals were packed and sent to Haiti after the earthquake. 16 churches were planted this year alone in India through our ministry. 137 women were rescued out of human trafficking in our ministry there in India. 27 pastors were trained in Honduras and in Kenya. And these are just a few of our local and global ministries and missions that we want to expand in 2022. And Woodland Church is bringing food resources, leadership support, financial assistance, disaster relief, church planting, human trafficking prevention, and ministry training from the Woodlands to all over the world. And we're just getting started. But, I mean, God is doing amazing things through the missions and the ministries of Woodland Church. So I want to get to what is this offering all about? Um, and why should I give? Well, the main reason is to put God first in a very important area of your life, your finances. And it's also important for sustaining our church family uh, because Woodland Church, like all nonprofits and churches, m most of, well, not most of the budget, but a lot of the budget comes in at the end of the year. And just like in most churches, at the end of the year giving, I mean, a, a big percentage can come in at the end of the year and it determines everything we do the next year whether we cut the ministries and missions or whether we expand ministries and missions like we feel God's calling us to in this really important and critical time. And so that's really what it comes down to. It's a practical reason, but the most important reason is not that, it's your heart. How I pray, Chris and I pray, that everyone in our church will be able to put God first so you can experience God in a whole new way. That's our prayer, that's what we want more than anything else. So how much should I give? Well, the real question is, what do you believe in God for this year? Jesus taught us that with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. So prayerfully ask God and his guidance how much you give. If you're able to give a sacrificial gift, then this is the time to do it. Um, and we all can't give the same amount, but we can all give with equal sacrifice. You see, remember the widow's might? She gave like these two mites that were just um, less than, you know, a penny, basically. And Jesus said, she is the most generous of all. Why? He said, because she gave everything she had. She gave 100%, not 10%. Trusting God was going to meet her needs. It's not the amount that matters. It's the sacrifice that matters. And for some of you, you've had a tough year and maybe... $10 or $100 is a sacrifice, and God sees it, and God will bless you according to your sacrifice. For others of you, I mean, you'd have to give 100000 or more for it to even, even be considered a sacrifice, maybe. But it's between you and God. And I would say this, if you've never practiced tithing, if you've never started tithing, join all these at Will and Church that are, and that could be your commitment this year. Start tithing now, and you watch God come through. Maybe that would be your commitment this year. Now, for those of you who are already doing that, then this is our chance to give above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings to expand the ministries and missions of Woodland Church for God's glory and God's kingdom. 
And really, it's for our own sakes and for our own hearts so that we can see God work in our life. Now, how do we give? I want to briefly go over this. Um, you can give online. Just go to wc.org give. And I really encourage you to set up recurrent giving. That's so important because it's more important than your mortgage, more important than your electric bill, more important than anything is putting God first. And then you can also text give WC to 77977. Just give WC one word to 77977 and it goes to our push pay app. You can set up recurrent giving right there on the push pay app. And it's really powerful when you do that. Put God first. Or you can mail in your check or you can give in one of our offerings today or coming up and you can take this card and fill it out and put the check in there and you can give it that way. You can also give stocks and assets. Some of you have done good in the stock market this year and you can give the stock directly to the church and you don't have to pay the taxes on it and uh, God uses it. And so I just, I don't know, it doesn't really matter how you give. All that matters is that you do. And we all can't do the same amount, but we can all sacrifice. We can all make a sacrifice for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for our own hearts, for our own sakes. And that's what God really wants to do in our hearts and lives. I mean, really, it comes down to this. One day, you're going to stand before God, and there's going to be a final exam. And as your pastor, you know, as your pastors, Chris and I feel really responsible about this. That to whom much is given, much is required. And we feel really responsible about this because we know that in our area that, that you're probably not worshiping a golden idol or a wooden idol that you've carved out that you have in your house that you go worship every day and ask God to, that God, that little God, God with a little G to bless you. That's not it. In our area, this is what it really comes down to. And so Jesus knew that. That's why he talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. And Jesus knew that. And so, and I know that. We all know that. And so it comes down to how can you be godly in a materialistic society? It's okay to have nice things, but you got to do two things. Thank God, be grateful for what you have instead of always wanting more. And secondly, give. Give. That's it. That's the only way that you teach your kids how not to be materialistic in a materialistic society. That's the only way. And so I just really challenge you at the end of your life when you stand before God, here are the questions that you're gonna get asked. And I want you to be ready for the final. First, he's gonna say, what did you do with my one and only son, the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ? Did you receive the free gift that I gave you? And if you say yes, you have a heaven for eternity. But then he's going to ask a second question. What did you do with your one and only life, your time, your finances, your talents? What did you do with your one and only life that made a difference for eternity, that made sure some people came to heaven? What did you do with your one and only life? That's what he's going to ask. And I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready for that final exam. I want you to be able to say, yeah, I had a pastor at our church, and he challenged us. He challenged us. And so I learned to tithe, and I learned to give over and above my tithe. And the only thing I regret is I didn't give more, because that, that's the regret you'll have. Because the Bible says you can 
store it up here, or you can send it on ahead, but you can't take it with you. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Have you? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead by investing it in people who are going there and bringing people to heaven and doing something that's going to last. One day, these buildings all crumble to dust, but I want you to know there'll be thousands, maybe millions alive in heaven because of what God's doing at this place and beyond, from the woodlands to the world. Are you doing anything with your one only life that's going to make an eternal difference? And are you doing some long-term investing? I'm not talking about 20 years or 30 years. That's wise. I'm talking about 2 million years. God says it's wise to invest. Just don't do it all down here because you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose every bit of it. The government will take it. Your kids will fight over it. You're going to lose it. Or you can send it on ahead. And so God says to you this year, I believe with all my heart, you put me first and I'll meet your needs and I'll give you blessings that you could have never dreamed possible. And I will bless you to be a blessing. I will plug the holes in your blessing bucket so that it will overflow and you'll see God work in your life. I want us to stand and let's bow our heads because I, I want us to really make a commitment today. Lord God, I just pray for everyone here that you would help every one of us and those who are just watching online, worshiping online, that you would just grab their hearts as well, Lord. We're all part of Woodland Church, and whether someone who's just come a few times or someone who has just been here for years, Lord, that you would help every one of us do what you call us to do, to put you first in our finances. For those who've never tithed, Lord, please, Lord, strengthen them to take that step to trust you in this area for your glory and for their good so they won't miss out. And then, Lord, I pray for all of us who've known that, that you would show us what to give over and above our regular tithes and offerings for your glory, for your kingdom to be built. And, Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you or someone within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, they would just right now say, Jesus, I need you to save me, to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. I receive the gift of Christmas. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And now we're gonna take our offering, and this begins our really our uh, December year-end offering. You can give now, you can give, sometimes you can give online, however you want to give, but give for the glory of the Lord God. Our ushers are gonna come at this time. I'm gonna make a couple of announcements. First, have you seen the Festival of Lights? It was amazing last night, and it'll be again tonight. I think it's Friday, Saturday, and Sundays, and it's free, invite friends, and we do it for one reason, to be an outreach to the community, and it's really cool. And there's a children's program going on. You get hot chocolate and all that stuff. It's just really fun. Um, and then our Christmas Eve services start. I believe it's December 22nd and goes through, of course, Christmas Eve. And I don't know how many we're going to have at our campuses. It's amazing. And I, I just want you to know that we're doing everything with God's grace and power to share the simplicity and the power of Christmas in Jesus Christ and I hope you'll bring a friend, and I hope you'll serve at one of the services as well. Woodland Church, God is up to great things. He's doing powerful things. Thank you for your angel tree, taking the angels off the tree. Next week, we bring them back. We're connected to about, I don't know, 22 schools that tell us who's not gonna get much for Christmas this year, and you're making it happen for them, and I appreciate it so much. Um, God is working. I want you to stand because 
Here's my word for you in December. Make sure you have your heart open to receive all that God has for you. And the way you do that is you open your hands, you open your eyes. When you open your eyes and get your eyes off yourself and onto others, onto God and others, and you open your hands and you meet the needs of others, then your heart is open to receive all that God has for you. And whenever you go through pain and problems, you try to shut your heart down because you're afraid of getting hurt again. But I believe with all my heart, God wants you to open your heart this Christmas. And the way you do that is you open your eyes to see God and to see the needs of others, to meet their needs and to reach out to make a difference in the life of someone else. And then your heart is open. And when your heart is open, you're going to get those blessings from God. They're going to come right into your heart. Don't close your heart down. For some of you, you've closed your heart down and it's time to dream again. For some of you, you closed your heart down and it's time to believe again. For some of you, you closed your heart down and it's time to give again. For some of you, you closed your heart down and it's time to live again in God's power and in God's strength. Open your heart. One of the original songs that in Woodlands Worship <clears throat> that these guys wrote that came from Josh's heart, it came from after he lost his son, Jude Samuel, who went to be with the Lord, God gave us the first couple of verses in the book of Jude in the message paraphrase, and it felt like our Jude from heaven was speaking directly to us, and the last part of it was, relax, everything is going to be all right, open your heart, love is on the way. And so Josh and Stephen wrote this song, Love is on the Way. And that's what I really feel in my heart today, that love is on the way for you. God's getting ready to break out and do something amazing in your life. Don't you dare miss it because your heart's closed down, because you're stressed out and you're worn out, filling your life and crowding your life with all these things that are meaningless, that you're missing out on the most meaningful thing. And the way you do that is not natural, it's supernatural. You get your eyes off yourself onto God and onto others. And you're gonna see people this week that are hurting and God's gonna ask you to take a step to do something. Maybe it's to invite them to Christmas Eve. Maybe it's to meet a need of a neighbor or a friend or some stranger. God is going to call you to open your eyes, open your hands so that your heart will be wide open and he's going to bless you because love is on the way. It's time for you to start believing again. Get ready. Don't miss out on the love that's on the way for you that's coming up, I believe, soon. Be ready to receive what God has for you because love is on the way. Just like love came that first Christmas into the darkest night, love's on the way for you. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.